This is a Federal News Network podcast. Defense contractors have been trying to recoup funds from the Pentagon that they've lost during the coronavirus pandemic. Now the Defense Department says it's developing a way to streamline some of those payments. Still, businesses wonder how much they'll actually get back. Also, the school year is going to look a lot different for children of service members. Those are some of the items in this week's DOD Reporter's Notebook at federalnewsnetwork.com. Federal News Network's Scott Massioni joins me now to discuss some of those issues. And Scott, right at the top of the notebook, you've got an update on DOD's implementation of Section 3610 of the CARES Act, and just refresh people's memories on that. That was a provision that Congress inserted to allow uh, DOD to reimburse contractors who needed to put their employees on paid leave because of COVID-related reasons, such as their work sites being closed or something. Department up until now has said that it needs additional appropriations from Congress to make those payments, but those appropriations have not been forthcoming. Sounds like DOD is going to start making some of those payments anyway. Right. And and they're just going to, like you said, they're going to start making some of these payments, even though they haven't gotten money from Congress to do it. And they've been asking Congress for some of this money. And within the HEALS Act, this sort of next uh, generation of the stimulus uh, f- to help with coronavirus, there's supposed to be some money in there, but there's been some contention with it. And obviously, they've gone to recess without uh, actually passing that, that bill at this point. So there's no money left for that. So they're expecting DOD to take some of this money out of their own pocket and, uh, and and reimburse these contractors. Right now, uh, Undersecretary for Acquisition and Sustainment, Ellen Lord, said that they're streamlining a process for uh, under $2 million, any claims for under $2 million, which to DOD is, is not very much money. Um, other things will have to go on a bigger contract-by-contract basis, which is how they've been doing it before and apparently have been doing some reimbursement, uh, especially within the intelligence community. The, the department has previously said that it, it would need north of $10 billion. That's just an estimate, I think, in order to make companies whole for all of these payments. So, But, but it doesn't sound like they're probably going to get their $2 million at a time. This sounds like it's mostly smaller companies with smaller claims. Yeah, exactly. It's it's smaller companies with smaller claims. And also that, that's, that an original estimate of billion. That was only from March to June. You have to remember that we've already added a couple more months on top of that, uh, still within COVID conditions. Now, these companies have learned how to uh, you know, operate under these conditions a little bit better, but there's still work that isn't being uh, completed, and because they put people on leave, and you know, as I mentioned before, the in- intelligence community is really getting this a lot because they're the people that have to actually show up it physically for their job and go into these skiffs where they can't exactly social distance, so they're having to put people on leave and put them in on staggered time limits and things like that. What we've seen, though, is a DOD reluctance to really pay some of these out, and that's because they don't want to dip into uh, money that they've already sort of programmed into other situations, despite getting the or possibly getting the $741 billion that is supposed to be appropriated to them for 2021. Uh, they've still already you know, colored that money in the way that they want it to be, and so it may not go uh, to those contractors in, in this sort of situation. Yeah, and you mentioned the intelligence community. I guess this would really apply to to any sort of position where telework is just not a thing you can do. You know, depot maintenance is is probably another big one. 
Yes, exactly. Maintainers, uh, you know, people that need to work on classified environments and, and networks. Uh, you know, I, I talked to uh, David Berteau, who's the president of the Professional Services Council. And one thing he said was that it's important that they pay these people and that they do take this leave off because the Defense Department needs its intelligence community people, that they are highly trained, they're highly educated, uh, and losing them in the workforce would really sort of gut, uh, you know, that what they've built up over the years. All right, pivoting to another item in the notebook, the, the, the Defense Department's education activity, the DOD-run school system, has, has previously said that they really want to emphasize in-person learning as much as possible, but at least to some extent, it sounds like they're going to do uh, remote learning around the world as, as we start school in a couple weeks here. Right. And one of the things you have to understand about this, first of all, is that the Defense Department education activities is very small. This isn't just, you know, everyone who has a kid that's in the military uh, goes to these schools. It's a, it's a very small amount. It's about 61,000 students. The Defense Department says about a third of those schools are going to start off being remotely uh, taught. And that's strictly just because of COVID issues. Uh, about half of the schools within the United States, about 25, are going to be uh, remotely uh, working, and that will be um, in mostly in the South, in Texas and North Carolina and things like that. Uh, overseas in Japan, there's 19 schools that are going to be working remotely, and then two in Bahrain. Uh, so, you know, around the world, consider there's a considerable less uh, percentage of these schools that are need to be working remotely compared to the United States. Like I said, where about 50% or exactly 50% are going to be uh, hitting that mark. Another option for these students is just to go to the virtual school. It's something the Defense Department has built up over the past decade. Decade. And they've used it for situations like when people are want to take an AP chemistry class, but they just live in, let's say, you know, Nome, Alaska, where there's really not a lot of people taking AP chemistry. Well, a bunch of high schoolers can get together from all around the nation and work together on this one AP chemistry class. Uh, you know, that's something that they're going to try and use a lot more uh, while they're they're just dealing with this pandemic. All right. And finally, in the notebook this week, a, a fairly critical DOD inspector general report on DOD's performance in the mental health arena. Right. It just seems that simply that the military health system is not meeting the proper mental health standards for care for active duty service members. And part of that is that just half of the military clinics that they looked at uh, did not help service members get the appointments that they need. They had to wait more than four weeks to get appointments. More than half of the active duty service members who were trying to get appointments ended up not even getting them outside of their military treatment facility. So, you know, when, when maybe they sent them out into the community to try and, you know, see a private doctor and then get paid through TRICARE, that sort of thing. So it just really seems that thousands of active, du active duty service members and their families uh, saw these delays and those delays will cause an increase in risk for jeopardizing patient safety and then you know ipso facto the readiness of the force is what the uh the inspector general said and as we've seen with va and in other parts of the dod military health system one of the recommendations the ig is making here is expand access to outside care Right. And, you know, that's something the Defense Department has worked on for quite a while. They've been doing it with the Defense Health Agency and uh, consolidating some of their military treatment plants, military treatment plants, consolidating some of their military treatment facilities. Uh, but, you know, there's been a lot of pushback. The, the, the military services aren't really very pumped about uh, having their 
hospitals taken over. Um, they're not really sure that the amount of care is out there in the private industry uh, that they need and that the private industry can take over where the military health facilities leave off. So, um, you know, there's a lot of unknowns in this and the lawmakers are, are noticing this within the NDAA and really putting a year delay on it in one of the NDAA uh, bills. So, uh, you know, this might be something that may take a while before we see it implemented. All right. Federal News Network's Scott Massioni, and you can read more in this week's edition of the DOD Reporter's Notebook. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.